Life hurts, and grief is real. We as followers of Jesus want to live lives of purpose and discipleship. But how can we do that when the valleys we are walking in are just so deep and so dark? I believe there is a promise that you can cling to in Hosea 2.15 that our God can transform your valley into a door of hope. I invite you to join me and to bring your hurt and hopefully leave hopeful. friends. Uh, my name is Marina Francis and welcome to the first episode to the uh, podcast that I'm starting. Um, so this is my very first time doing this. I'm really excited but also totally oblivious to this process. So we're just gonna take a shot at it. The reason I really wanted to start this podcast is that I... Um, went through a very difficult journey a year ago and coming through that there was a verse that really stood out to me and was just really helpful and I clung to it during those really hard times Um, and it's actually Hosea chapter 2 verse 15 and I'll just read it to you in the KJV and it says and I will give her vineyards from thence, and the valley of Achor for a door of hope. And she shall sing there as in the days of her youth, and as in the day when she came up out of the land of Egypt. So that is going to be like our story today, our first story, kind of explaining why I want to tell these other stories that I'm going to share with you in the next couple of episodes, um, specifically stories about those valleys of acres, those really difficult times in women's lives that other women of God have walked through and how they have become doors of hope. So trying to explain real quick, like, what do I mean when, what is Hosea talking about when he says, the Valley of Acor for Door of Hope. So we're going to do a little bit of backstory today. So the story of the Valley of Acor, it actually starts in Joshua uh, chapter 6, verse 17. Um, that's the first time we see the mention of this Valley of Acor. And what happened is Israel had just experienced a really great victory um, at the Battle of Jericho. Um, and so they're excited. They're on the top of the world. God has shown himself merciful and mighty and strong. And then they go to fight the city of Ai, um, a much smaller city, a much weaker city, nothing compared to Jericho, which they just, you know, fought and had victory over with God. So they move on to fight uh, the battle of Ai. But after the battle, which doesn't go well, it's a complete disaster. They, they basically get their tails handed to them. Um, and the Israelites return back just defeated. Like, this should have been so much easier. God was on our side. This was a smaller city. Like, what happened? Achan, a member of the tribe of Judah had directly disobeyed the Lord's command and had kept some of the spoils, some of the riches from Jericho for himself. It was like a coat and some gold and he took it and he hid it and he buried it in his tent. 
and completely disobeyed God's command, which was that all of the spoils were to be consecrated to the Lord. So Israel goes to battle. They fight against an AI, again, a much weaker city, and the battle ended in terrible humiliation and defeat. And all of this is in Joshua chapter 7. You can read that chapter. Uh, Verses 2 through 15, I think, is where... Um, their defeat is, you know, is happening. And the Lord then revealed to Joshua why Israel had lost this battle. God's anger had been provoked because of Achan's act of disobedience, taking those spoils. So this is when it gets really dark. Uh, Achan and his family were then taken out of the camp and stoned to death, all of his family. And then they were burned in the valley of Achor. It was a very dark, it was a very bloody day of Israel's history. And the valley of Achor harkens back to Israel's shame and their sin and this major loss and um, basically public humiliation that they experienced. Because those other cities around them were watching the Israelites. The city of Jericho fell I mean, everybody else is now on edge and they're watching. And Israel was publicly, you know, beaten by this smaller city. And then they had to kill one of their own entire family um, to purge this sin from their from their midst. And it was just a really terrible, you know, like you wouldn't choose the Valley of Achor as your wedding venue. I mean, the... There's just a lot of history there that's dark and bloody and shameful and humiliating and just, you know, that it's not a good place. It's not a place with happy memories at all. So we refer to the Valley of Acre a couple times, a couple more times in the Bible. But the next time that it's referred to, you know, has any meaning that's really interesting, at least to me personally, is in the book of Hosea. Okay, so before we go into that, let's give a quick overview of the book of Hosea because it's a, it's a smaller prophet, it's a minor prophet in the Old Testament. And it's a, you know, those books are kind of hard sometimes, I'm not going to lie. They're, they're written to Israel and us, the church, we are not Israel. So you can't take everything out of the prophets and just directly apply it to our lives. It's, they're a little bit harder to read and there's a lot of history involved, but If you haven't read the book of Hosea recently, I challenge you to do so because, oh my goodness, it is just, it's an amazing book. So what happens in the book of Hosea is Hosea is a prophet, a man of God, and he is told by God to marry a prostitute and that God was going to basically use Hosea and this prostitute, his wife, as a picture of his relationship between God and Israel. So, um, Hosea goes and he finds Gomer. And he takes Gomer and makes her his wife. Well, Gomer was a former prostitute. And she was probably used to the lives that prostitutes lived. Um, And so the whole first part of the book is basically Hosea lamenting that his wife is unfaithful. Um, He has several children with her, and at one point he names a child, It's Not Mine. Like, the name is It's Not Mine. Because Gomer 
is just she's unfaithful to him constantly. It's fully consuming their lives. In the book of Hosea, she literally um, at one point runs away and leaves Hosea, Gomer. She leaves Hosea and um, I guess retakes up the mantle of prostitution. She goes back to her, her former life. And during that time, you know, she's selling herself to these men, but the men are not paying her. Um, so for one, it makes you wonder like, wow, how low has she had to go to get to a point where she's selling herself to men and men are not even paying her. And two, it's just, it's just dark and it's sad and it's, you know, this man, this man of God, his wife has gone back to prostitution over him. I mean, their marriage is in, it's, it's a wreck. It's in shambles. Like most people, if that were to happen to them in the modern day, if there was some pastor and his wife did that, most people would be like, yeah, your, your marriage is beyond salvaging. It's just, it's a terrible, sad story. And all through this, Hosea is taking care of Gomer. So he, he goes and he puts items on her doorstep to pay for the men that have been sleeping with her this the to to pay for her so she can live essentially so these men are coming they're sleeping with Gomer and then leaving not paying and Hosea her actual husband is coming and leaving gifts and expensive items that she can then sell to use to live off of and it's just like whoa she she doesn't deserve that why would you do that for her and um so the the story of Hosea, it just gets crazier from there. It gets to a point where Gomer is used up, to put it nicely. She's at a point where she she is no longer able to be a prostitute. Like, it's just, it's just not there anymore for her. Um, and, I mean, if you think about what kind of a life this woman has been leading, she's been, you know, selling herself to men that are essentially not even paying her. So, I mean, these are men that would probably be beating her, abusing her, hitting her, taking advantage of her. The, this woman is, she's used up. She's no longer, you know, considered beautiful enough to be a prostitute. I mean, she could be missing teeth. She could be, you know, her hair is falling out because she's not been taking care of herself and eating right and she's been under stress and abuse and, you know, she has bruises and basically all she's worth now is a a common slave. And that's what we see in the book of Hosea is she is then being put up for sale as just a common slave. And like, so I want to, I want you to stop and I want you to picture this. Okay. I'm totally stealing all of this from my pastor's sermons. He did a sermon series on the book of Hosea and it was life changing. I cannot express. So take a moment and just imagine you're in the dark, seediest place of Israel. It's like most evil place, a slave market. So there's, you know, you have these businessmen and you have these, 
you know, people there that are just, just basically there to buy people and use people and to sell people. I mean, it's, it's not exactly like going to Hobby Lobby on a Saturday morning. It's a very dark, dirty, abusive, dangerous place to be. And Gomer, she is, she's humiliated. She's, you know, I mean, you, imagine you're in a slave market. She's probably been stripped naked, put up on a stand like an animal. And, you know, the slave uh, auctioneer is up there saying, hey, you know, here's Gomer. You guys all know Gomer. Well, she's not real worth much anymore, but she can still work. She can still clean. She can still do laundry or feed animals. So if you just need some good hard labor, you got good old Gomer here. And she's beat up. She's missing teeth and losing hair. And she's, you know, just in a really bad place. And the shame and humiliation and the filth and everything that, you know, that basically she has become. And in walks... Hosea, the man of God, who in this story is representing God, he walks in through the back door like some sort of, you know, sheriff coming in to save the day. He walks in and he says, I'll buy her. I'll take her. You know, and he puts up some sort of ridiculous offer more than she's worth and he buys back Gomer. And he takes her and he clothes her and they ride off into the sunset together and he is there to help her heal. And that is when this verse is happening, the um, Hosea. So, oh my goodness, this, this chat, I'm going to read it again. So this is after Hosea has bought back Gomer and this is what he's saying, like, I'm going to do to you. It says in verse 14. Therefore, behold, I will allure her. He's like, I'm going to woo her. I'm going to woo her back to me and bring her into the wilderness and speak comfortably unto her. I'm going to take her away to someplace quiet, someplace away from the city and the people. We're going to go out into this just beautiful, quiet, alone, intimate place. And I'm going to speak calming, comforting, healing words to her. And then verse 15, it says, And I will give her vineyards from thence, and the valley of Achor for a door of hope. Again, the valley of Achor, like that place of darkness, loss, sin, blood, shame, humiliation. I'm going to give her, I'm going to take that valley of that represents all of those terrible things. And I'm going to turn it for a door of hope, a new beginning. Some place that's going to take you somewhere that you didn't know you could go. And it's going to be beautiful and fantastic and glorious. And then it says, And she shall sing there as in the days of her youth. And it is in the days when she came up out of the land of Egypt. She's going to sing again. Hosea is saying, I'm going to love you. I'm going to woo you back. I'm going to speak healing words over you. I'm going to take you away someplace alone. I'm going to give you vineyards. That means like I'm going to give you good things. 
and your valley of acor this moment this this place of shame and this place of loss it has become a become a door of hope for you and you're going to be so healed you're going to be healed to the point that you can sing again like a little girl like a little girl in the days of her youth you're going to sing as in the days when she came up out of the land of egypt like like a celebratory joyful exuberant just singing because things are good and God is good and just worship. And then verse 16 says, And it shall be at that day, saith the Lord, that thou shalt call me Ishai and shalt call me no more Belai. I don't know if I'm saying all those right, but verse 16 is beautiful because now we're saying like, oh, it's the Lord. The Lord is saying, Thou shalt call me Ishai, which means husband. Versus, you shall no more call me Baalai, which is master, lord. He's saying, you're going to get to a point where you have a relationship with me, a real relationship with me, and there's going to be tenderness there and there's going to be love there and you're going to see me as your caretaker your lover your protector not your lord not your commander but your lover and your caretaker oh my goodness it's just so beautiful what and of course all of this is the lord trying to display what he feels towards Israel. He's trying to show Israel, Israel, I want to win you back. I want to, I want to take you away from all of this that is distracting you. And I'm going to bring you somewhere where I can, where I can speak healing words to you. Israel, I want to give you good things. I want to give you vineyards. And I want to take this Valley of Acor, this door, I'm sorry, this Valley of Acor, this terrible dark place that you're in and I'm gonna make it a door of hope a new beginning a a new place altogether and you're gonna worship and you're gonna sing again and you're gonna have joy like a little girl like a little girl that just sings and dances because she's just she exists and and you'll no longer call me Lord you're gonna call me husband That is what God is trying to convey. He's trying so desperately to communicate this to Israel. And we know that our God uses stories to do that. uses word pictures and images and stories because he knows that's how we learn. That's how we listen. He's an amazing God. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't try to explain things to us in Excel spreadsheets. He explains it to us. In a way that we will remember and in a way that we can feel. And the the whole book of Hosea is just this story about how God is trying to win Israel back and wants to love her. And, in a, and we see in the story, Hosea bought Gomer back. And I think that also harkens to a time where God buys Israel. I mean, he... Lo- sent his son to earth to die on the cross a horrible death 
to pay for our sins and it essentially bought us back. And so, again, I've already said this, you know, modern day, I'm an American. I have no Jewish heritage whatsoever in me that I know of. I'm not Israel. I can't claim that I'm Israel. And I can't claim that this story is, you know, written to me. I can't. It's written to Israel. But all of that said, I can still look at this story and read this story and I can learn about my God. And I can learn about the God that he is. And this book of Hosea shows me that I have a God. I have an amazing God that wants to take my dark, shameful, terrible moments, traumatic histories, and he wants to take those and turn them into a door of hope. And he wants to transform that. And he wants to have a relationship with me. He wants to be close with me. He wants to woo me. He wants to have speak healing words over me. He wants to do that with my story, with my history, because I see the kind of God that he is from this story. And I really clung to that all through what was 2020. You know, I mean, we can all talk about, oh, 2020, what a year. Don't want that one back. And um, 2020 was terrible and rough for a lot of people. Um, But honestly, like the whole pandemic thing, that really wasn't the biggest challenge for me. The biggest, hardest thing during 2020 was walking through the Valley of Acor, um, my personal Valley of Acor. And feeling alone and forgotten and just trying to figure out how long is this supposed to last? When will this get better? And I just clung to that uh, verse. Um, Our pastor actually prayed it over my husband and I that our valley of Acor would become a door of hope. And I think God knew he needed to pray that. Because he knew that I was clinging to that. That I had heard this promise. And that I, I just had to know that this would be worth it one day. That someday this would all be redeemed. That somehow God could take this place and he could change it. He could transform it. And he could turn it to a door of hope. Some place new. Something that would give me hope. Something that maybe would help other people and give them hope. I just had to know that God would do that. And I'm really excited to say that God is doing that. He really is. And I feel like my Valley of Acor is becoming a door of hope. And it's just so exciting and it's so great to see him work. But I know that... There are other women that are farther ahead in this journey than me, and they are able to turn around and look back and see the entire valley and see how God took it, and then they can see their change when God took that valley and turned it into a door of hope. And those are the stories that I want to share with you guys, because for me, 
clinging to this story was sanity saving. <laughs> Let's just say it was sanity saving. It helped me keep my mind when things were really hard. And there were times when um, I would hear other women who would be really vulnerable and really bold and they would share their stories of really dark places that God brought them through. And they would share kind of some of the emotions that they felt during those times. And it resonated with me. And it made me feel, oh my goodness, like I'm not alone. I'm not crazy. I'm not like a terrible Christian because I'm struggling and I'm walking through this dark place. And I'm not alone. Um, if God can do that, then surely he can do something with this. I've just got to keep clinging to that. And when I would hear these women's stories, it would just give me hope when I didn't think I could hope. So thank you so, so much for hanging with me this long. I know this is really long for just kind of an introductory podcast, but I really wanted to take the time to set the stage, uh, give a really good explanation behind this a value of acor and a door of hope and the meaning behind those and the story behind those and um, for me i resonate with stories i love hearing stories and they are a lot easier for me to remember so i wanted to share that with you guys um, and just really hope that you will come back and hear some of these amazing stories uh, of women and interviews that i am so excited to have uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be really cool I just want to let you know that you are welcome here whatever brokenness that you may be carrying whatever healing you may be going through it's welcome here um, because I believe in a God that can take our valley of acor and give it to us brand new as a door of hope and I hope that you will walk along with me for this journey and be encouraged and, uh, you know, share it on Instagram, share it on Facebook, text it to your friends, um, let your pastor's wife know about it because we all know they walk through a lot of valleys and it would just mean so much to me if you would come back and hear these stories that I'm so excited to share with you. I hope you guys have a blessed day. Thank you.